Hallelujah. We praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you be seated. Thankful for the presence of the Lord that's here. Amen. So I have asked Brother Kyle to share, share with us tonight from what the Lord has given him. And he will do that. But first, I want to invite Sister Elena to come. And if you didn't know, she was in Stockton over this past week at Landmark Conference. And I just want her to be our eyes and ears for a minute and just fill us in on how her trip was. And if she wants to preach, she can preach. Sister Elena. Hello, church. <laughs> um, as he, um, Elder Flower said, I went to Landmark this past week and it was phenomenal. Just like the presence of God was throughout the place. Like the anointing was there. You could feel angels. Like it was so powerful. And you know, like it's easy to get caught up in the hype of things of like landmark and the jumping and the praising God and all that and all that's good but this landmark was something different than the few ones I've been to it was more personal like being like more personal with your relationship with God like getting deeper than just like the hype and you know like and I feel like that's something we need to go back to is like just getting personal with God like not worrying about what anybody says or does just being intimate with God and, you know, like just loving on him and knowing who you are in God is very important. And so that's something that, like, I kind of got from that. I already knew that, but, like, it's, it's a fresh reminder, you know. And, you know, there's, there's just, there was just so much anointing within that place and within the speakers. Like, God's truly, like, doing something in, like, North America right now. Like, there's revival happening. And I'm glad that, you know, we're part of the, like, being Pentecostal and being apostolic to the core, you know, and that's very important. So, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Brother Kyle, why don't you come? Amen. Thank you, Elder Flowers, for giving me the opportunity to greet my brothers and sisters. Um, welcome, everybody. As Sister Leonard was saying, it's important for us to get to know who we are in God and understanding who he is to each and every single one of us. It's very easy for us to look at stories and scripture. And, um, and, and I've been thinking about this as um, Elder Flowers preached on Sunday about God having a purpose on everybody's life and everyone in here having a calling on their lives. And we talked about some of the um, struggles that Joseph went through and we, we, we get to know who we are in God, and we understand God is amazing. He can do so much that, that I don't have to have worries. But um, something we forget, you know, and, and, and this is part of being the core of us, you know, understanding who we are in God. If we um, look at First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. We often see our God and see how big he is, and we forget that it's not going to be an easy walk walking with God. It's, it's, it's going to be filled with struggles. It's going to have hardships. It's going to have trials. Scripture tells us that. If I could do it all in myself, I wouldn't need God. But because these trials come in my life, these struggles come, I see my dependency on him. And then that's where he gets to show me how much he truly loves me and what he's willing to do in my life. He called me. He called me with a purpose. He is going to give me everything I need to get through whatever it is he's putting before me. You know? And so that brings me to the next scripture I'd like to jump to real quick. And I'm not going to take up too much, too much time. I'm going to close off with just this one, this one set of scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 4, we'll start in verse 15 and 16. And it says, 
For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Understand that when you go through the, the struggles that God allows to come into your life, it's not a strange thing to him either when, when struggles come in. He knows exactly what you're going through. He's felt it himself. And as he has come through it, he's able to give you what you need to get through it. So understand that, yes, I have a calling on my life. There are some great things to experience in my walk and my love with God. But there are going to be struggles that come. And I have a God that understands those struggles. But it's not enough for him to understand those struggles because he goes on to let us know. Let us therefore come boldly. And I want us to really catch this point of coming to him boldly. I'm not supposed to cower to him. I'm not supposed to be afraid in the trials that I go through. I come to him boldly. I come to him trusting and knowing that he is who he is and that he's going to work on my behalf and he's going to move in my favor. Because he says, unto the throne of grace, I come to him for his grace. That is his unmerited kindness and favor. I don't deserve it. It is not nothing in myself, but it is his love that he gives it to me and that we may obtain mercy Thank you, Jesus. You're not going to hold my faults and my shortcomings against me. But your kindness is going to love me and you're going to take mercy on me. And it says, and find grace to help in time of need. In the times I need him the most, he is going to be there. All I got to do is go to him and ask him. So when them trials start coming towards you and that fiery test starts coming, turn to your God. Understand who you are in him. No, you're not the only person that is going through the trials that you're going through. He's called you with a purpose and he will see his purpose through in your life. And he will give you what you need to accomplish what it is he wants you to accomplish. Somebody give him a hand clap of glory in the house tonight. Thank him for who he is. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Kyle. Amen. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. As Brother Kyle was speaking, I felt this, this scripture. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. With the temptation... Also, make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. In case you missed it, what Brother Kyle said and what we talked about on Sunday is the Lord has a purpose for you, for your life, a plan for your life. Paul, Paul is writing the, this book to the church in Ephesus when we read in the book of Ephesians. That's his letter to the church in Ephesus. So this is who he's talking to when he writes this. Chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. There's two uh, different elements in this passage of Scripture. One is just him stating the simple fact that you are called. He's writing this to the church, okay? 
the church here, this is universal representation of all of us because we are all, we are all a part of his church. So as he's saying, you are called, he is a, he's just explaining the purpose, the, the, the fact that we stated on Sunday that the Lord has a purpose for us. He's restating it here. You are, you are called. Everybody say, I am called. I am called. And now, he says, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. So the, the vocation wherewith you are called is, if you allow me to use this term, your job. And I'm not talking about your, what you do to make a living here on earth. I'm talking about your spiritual job. Your job in the kingdom. So you have a vocation wherewith you are called. That is your job in the kingdom. Um, really what Paul is saying here though, because he's, he is taking into consideration that, that the church is going to agree with the fact that they have a vocation in the kingdom. What he's giving them is instruction, or really a command, to walk worthy of your job in the kingdom. That's a little bit more responsibility than just, hey, you're called, God has a plan on your life, he has a purpose for you. He's telling you, specifically, act like it. Fulfill it. Walk worthy of it. That would, that would mean... Someone, if we know that Brother Vance is a Christian, we know that Brother Vance has a job in the kingdom, then we should also be able to say, he is walking worthy of his job in the kingdom. The life that he's living proves, it's proof of the fact. Now, I, I work at the courthouse, for those of you that didn't know, downtown Yakima. And... Um, there, there, is a, there is a certain code of conduct that as an employee you have and you agree to based on where you work. And this is not the first job I've ever had and every other job I've ever had. There was also a code of conduct. You have to act this way. Oftentimes you have to dress this way. You have to wear this you can't wear that. You have to talk like this. You can't talk like that. You have to show up. You can't decide, nope, I just don't want to go. There, that, that's, that's a part of your code of conduct. That's what you are expected, what's expected of you. So as what Paul is saying here in this verse, he's really saying, adhere to your code of conduct for your job in the kingdom. That's what he means when he says, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Adhere to the code of conduct for your job in the kingdom. And now, don't worry, don't get nervous. I'm not trying to be mean or, 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 or be bossy or anything like that. I'm not sitting here trying to tell anybody that you're misbehaving. Yeah, let's take the load off. But we have to be mindful of this. This is a scriptural command to the church. Are you adhering to that code of conduct? Now, I want to look at one more passage in the book of Acts chapter 26. This is also written, uh, or re recording the words of the Apostle Paul, who wrote that in the book of Ephesians. Acts chapter 26, as it follows through his life, he's going he's gonna to do a little bit of explaining. He, he is in front of King Agrippa, and the king is asking Paul to give an explanation or an account for himself because he's been charged with all of these, uh, these things that have led him to there before the king. So, and I just want to point out a couple of what, what are the, the things that, he's, that he mentions here. But because Paul understood his 
vocation wherewith he was called. He understood his job, his role, his purpose in the kingdom. I'm thankful for that. He's our example that we can look to as someone, how someone behaved when they knew they had a, a, a purpose and a plan on their life. Do you agree you have a purpose on your life? God has a purpose for you. Everyone say purpose. purpose. Acts 26 and verse 16. Now, Paul is he's recounting the encounter that he had with Jesus while he was on his road to Damascus. We were familiar with that part of, of Saul, as he was called then, his journey. He was a, a Jew and he was trying to persecute Christians for believing in Jesus and promoting the name and the man and, and all that the man that Jesus that he stood for. So he was on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus to do more of this when he has this encounter. And so for time's sake, I just want to, want to read a couple of these verses. Verse 16, after he has seen this bright light and it knocked him to the ground, the, the voice says, verse 16, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Everyone say purpose. Here's the reason why Paul is recounting the Lord telling him, this is the reason why I've appeared to you. The reason why I have interrupted the plan for your life that you are seeking to fulfill. See, Paul was just going about what he thought was the right thing to do. He had That was his plan. I'm, Lord, he goes to the... To the high priest, can I get letters to go and further this, this job of mine? I want to take the Christians, I want to throw them in prison. So he's got that, that's his plan. But the Lord says, not my plan, not my purpose, not even my purpose for your life. My purpose for your life involves an interruption. Uh, when you're going about your daily routine. Now, we can, it, it's easy to get in these, these daily routines and we think, well, I just, I know what my week is going to look like. If you're not careful, then you think you know what your month is going to look like. If you're not careful, you think... You know what the next several months are going to look like. And before you know it, the year's gone by. And that's your routine, your plan. You're fulfilling that part of your plan. And then it takes a, an encounter from the Lord to interrupt that. We, we, we can get all bent out of shape when we just think, man, things are just not going according to plan. Well, whose plan are we talking about? That day did not go according to Paul's plan. But he says, I've appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness. A minister and a witness. Everyone say that. A minister and a witness. To make thee a minister and a witness. A minister, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm trying to hurry through this, but a minister is a need meter. Someone that meets a need. And a lot of times that, that word is translated servant because it's someone that's serving the need of someone else. He didn't, he didn't <laughs> we'll go 2020 here for a minute. He didn't interrupt Paul's life and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put you in front of a group of people with a microphone in your hand standing in front of a church. Because when we hear minister, that's usually what we think of it in our day and time. The guy that's standing in the front or the lady that's standing in the front with the, holding the microphone, teaching, preaching. And we think, well, elevate them to a certain level. No. It's, need, it's meeting the need. That's why I can say I'm looking at a room full of ministers here. Because we are all called to serve. 
We are all called to meet the needs of those who need Jesus. Now, who doesn't need Jesus? I can't think of anyone that doesn't need Jesus. And if I know they need him, and if I know they don't have him, what role do I play in that? I help them meet him. And in doing such, I am meeting their need. I am ministering to their need. What was the second one? A minister and a witness. A witness is someone that tells what they have seen. They give an account of what happened. Now, I'm, I'm trying to break this down for us to, to take away a lot of the mystique that we just kind of inherently put on people in the Bible, such as the Apostle Paul. And we think, well, he's at, he's at some level that could never be attained. Or the man of God is at some level that can never be attained. No, if the Lord told Paul, you're just going to be someone that meets people's needs and you're just going to be someone that tells people the things that you've seen, that does not sound too complicated. That does not sound too mysterious or all this glamour. It's just recounting what you've seen and heard. So he says, to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen. That's past tense. What you have seen in the past. Think about who he's talking to here. He's talking to Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus has seen some things. And he's been on the wrong side of all this, these things that he's seen. He was, he was the one holding the coats, remember, when Stephen was getting stoned. And giving an account of what happened in the Bible before he was stoned to death. Remember, you saw that, didn't you, Saul? You heard that. You heard the account that he gave, right? You're a witness of that. Now, I know your heart was not in the right place when that was taking place. But that doesn't mean you didn't hear and see and you don't remember the things that took place there. Now, that's just one example. It says he, he was going from house to house taking men and women and throwing them in prison. That's, a, that's quite a thing to be a witness to. I mean, he has a story, a background, a, a past. And the Lord's saying, you're going to be a witness of the things you have seen and those things in the which... I will appear unto thee the things you are, have yet to see. But that's really, that's a promise from the Lord right there. I'm going to show you some more things. You will see more. You will hear more. And you're going to be a witness to it. So start taking notice. Start taking note of the things that you're hearing and seeing. The Lord is trying to get our attention. What year is this? 2020. In 2020, the Lord is trying to get our attention. Because you are going to hear things and see things. And I want you to share those. Plus all your past what you've seen and heard, and you can be a witness. Now, verse 17, he says, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee. I, I like the fact that the Lord would remind Saul where he brought him from. Delivering means to take out of. I've delivered you from among the people. You were one of them. That's who you were. And now, now that I've taken you out, changed you, renewed you, put a purpose on you, now I'm going to send you back to them. 
Think about how different the world would be if the Lord had decided to deliver Saul from the Gentiles and those people and send him to the Native Americans or to the Asians or to whatever group. The Lord decided, it's my plan. I want it to go this way. I'm, de- I'm sending you back to the people that I took you. We, the reason why I point that out is we often want God to do anything else with us but the thing that he is doing with us. Send me to Hawaii, Lord. I volunteer to go. Nope. I delivered you from the Yakimaniacs so I could send you back to the Yakimaniacs. I delivered you from the drug addicts so that I could send you back to the drug addicts. I delivered you from that because you can be a minister and a witness to that. Unto whom now I send thee. Verse 18. He's going to, the Lord is, is now giving a promise to this purpose. When I send you, when you act as a witness, or as we were talking about in Ephesians, when you adhere to the code of conduct of your job in the kingdom, it's kind of a mouthful, but that's really what he's saying. Here's what's going to happen. This is what you're going to see take place simply by doing the things that I've asked you to do. To open their eyes. To open their eyes. Simply by ministering to the need or by witnessing the thing that you've seen and heard. That act will open their eyes. This implies that currently their eyes are shut, closed off. Not that they're walking around bumping into things in life, but they're unaware of the spiritual nature of the things that you're going to share with them. I'm just going to say this. I, I really don't think it's possible to teach a good enough Bible study to open somebody's eyes. The Bible study alone and the thing that you're trying to share. Because it has to come through a spiritual revelation. We could, I could lock all the doors and say, I'm not letting anybody out here until I teach you everything that I know. It's not going to go over well. Because the things that we teach, the the things that Paul is ministering and witnessing are things that open eyes spiritually. He could do a lot more teaching and eye-opening simply by sitting down and, and saying to this family, there was a time I went into a family's house. They were Christians. They were believers. And under the influence of the wrong type of activity and spirit, I took them from that house. Delivered them to prison. Where in that did Paul preach a Bible study? But he's witnessing the things that he has seen and heard. And then he can say to that same group, I now know the error of my ways. The Lord has shown me. He says, it is, remember when when he's on the road to Damascus, he says, who art thou, Lord? (laughs) The voice said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. That's all the Bible study you need, folks. 
to open their eyes. He's opening their eyes. And to turn them from darkness to light. Their, their eyes being closed off spiritually speaks to the darkness, the state that they are in, in darkness. If someone's going to be turned from something to something else, it means right now, the thing that they are facing, the thing that they are heading towards is darkness. And unless a turn happens, they will continue in darkness. They will continue walking in darkness, being led in darkness. His role is to turn them from that darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God. Now, if you had missed it up until that point, it just became overtly spiritual in nature. In, in, in the, th the things that we're talking about here. Because their eyes being closed... And them being in darkness are reflective of them being under the power of Satan. Simply, uh, simply by having your understanding darkened, you are under the power of Satan. Not, and we think, oh no, the... the that's like the, the, the reserve worst groups that are out there intentionally, you know, choosing to serve. the No, by being in darkness. By being in darkness, they are under the power of Satan. And turning them to light is turning them to the power of God. Okay. I'm going to stop again for a minute. I really don't think Paul went up to people and said, you are under the power of Satan. I just don't think that was his opening line very often. It may have gotten there eventually with some of them. It may have started there with some of them if they really needed it and the Lord knew they needed it. But no, what the Lord was saying to Saul was, when you do this, when you minister and witness the things that you've known and seen of me, what's going to happen in the spirit is they will turn. They will come out from underneath the power of Satan. Into and unto and underneath the power of God. Remember, this is still this is. Paul telling the king the things that the Lord told Paul that day. You talk about receiving a calling. Receiving a purpose. And understanding your purpose. That's what took place there. He understood his purpose after that interruption after that encounter, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. This is the, you know, the scripture says the Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In coming to repentance, someone receives forgiveness of their sins. That is God's plan. He, that's his will for everyone. The Lord is not willing that any should perish. What that means is, if it was up to the Lord, none would perish. But all would come to repentance. 
that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith in me. That is, that's kind of a better opening line. Would you like to receive an inheritance. Do you, <laughs> we've got to be careful because this is the consumer age, right? Everybody is want, 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 buy, 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 need, 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 shop, shop, shop. So I don't just appeal on the on the the surface of I have something to sell you. Oh man, no, nope, we're not going there. But. In honesty, I can share with someone, there is an inheritance for you. The Lord bought something for you. Scripture says, He purchased our salvation. Let me try to recap this really quickly. Right now, if someone does not know Jesus, they are in darkness. Their eyes are not open. Six, over six billion people on the planet the vast majority of them fall into that category. That's the true and sobering fact. The vast majority of them fall into that category. They are in darkness. Their eyes have not been opened. Now the Lord knows that better than any of us, doesn't he? He knows exactly where every single of those billions of people are. And all he is doing tonight is telling us, I have a purpose for your life, which includes sharing, being a witness, being a minister to those under your influence that would hear what you have to say. It's not our job. I'm trying to come to a close here, okay? It's not our job in witnessing to someone, say this is the person that I'm witnessing to, and right now they are turned towards darkness, facing that direction spiritually. It is not my job. Oh, I'm just going to, oh, if I could just turn you. Oh, I got to make you. I got to make you turn. That's not my job. I think too often times we think of it in, the, in those terms, if we're honest with ourselves, because we think I, there is no way I could fill every seat, every seat in this building. I know there's at least this many probably over at the bingo hall right now. I mean, just a little union gap, let alone our surrounding area. And I think I just got to, Pick them up and oh, turn them to Jesus. No, that's not what we're called to do. We're called to minister and be a witness. To minister, to meet the need. To witness, to share what we've seen and heard. If we just start there, I promise you we will see. Things happen in the spirit. That does not sound too difficult. The difficult part, where the rubber meets the road, to use an old expression, is opening my mouth. Making myself available. There, 
It's almost like a split-second window. Most of, if, you, if you've ever tried to witness to someone, I'm sure you kind of can familiarize yourself with this, or you, you, you recognize, why, why are we having this conversation right now? What, what, what are the events of the day that led us to being in this situation where all of a sudden we are talking about whatever is the conversation where I feel like I could share something here? I could be a witness here. And in that moment, please remember this. Not, not just this night. Remember Paul. His example. To be a minister, to be a witness. And if you just think of it, I have an opportunity to be a witness. And then, to take it a step further, I, I, I try to, uh, I'm going to use Annabelle as an example for a minute. She started a new school a while back. And I was trying to tell her, you, you take a lot of pressure off of yourself in conversations when you ask people about themselves. Get them to talk about themselves. This is, this is for us introverts in the room. Those of us that really don't like to be the dominant in a conversation or maybe have a, a hard time speaking up about, you know, even this for an example. Some of us, uh, Brother Kyle, he could go just arrest somebody on the street and tell them everything they need to know, left and right, front and back, up and down, top and bottom. We're not all that way. So what we're talking about tonight, this is, a, this is an example of to be a witness. Think about just what you've seen and what you've heard. It takes the pressure off of you if you are thinking, I have to be the, the straight-A Bible student for a minute. I have to make sure... I don't get anything wrong here because in that, if you are in that dilemma during this window that we're talking about, it's not going to happen. But if you think during this window, what's the easiest thing I could say right now? Something that I've witnessed that would, would open this door. They're, maybe they're talking about their children. Oh, I could talk about my kids all day long. That's a, that's a, that's a, I, I have witnessed. It doesn't sound like, oh man, preach Acts 2.38 to them. No, tell them about kids that have grown up in a loving environment. I have witnessed that. Tell them about family that's not trying to kill each other. <laughs> if you've witnessed that. Tell them about a marriage that you know has lasted through, like what Brother Kyle was saying, tests, trials. That is a witness. That is being a witness. This is what, this is what the Lord told Paul. He did, he did not tell Saul, as, as it was in that time, because you have been schooled under Gamaliel, one of the smartest, wisest Old Testament scribes, because you know and you can recite and speak all the laws and all the prophets, that's why I've chosen you. No, people that, that the Lord's going to send Saul to don't care about the laws and the prophets, at least not right off the bat. That's not what he chose him for. I chose you to be a witness of the things that you have seen and the things that I'm going to show you. Why don't you stand with me? The Lord's purpose. The Lord's purpose. It's to make us ministers and witnesses. Everyone say it. I am, I am a minister. Say it again. I am a minister. Say I am a witness. Say it again. I am a witness. The Lord's purpose is to make us ministers 
and witnesses. In so doing, he accomplishes all that, that we're talking about in that verse. I'm not, <laughs> I am not a ghostbuster. I am not a demon chaser. I am not called to defeat hell and all of its power in my superior spirituality. It's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to be a minister and I'm called to be a witness. Why don't we pray? Jesus, Lord, it is your will to accomplish these things that you want to see done in the earth. It is your will, Father, to see blinded eyes open, to see darkness have light shed abroad into it. It is your will to turn people from the power of Satan unto your power. That is your plan. And that is your purpose. That's what you want to see, God. Lord, tonight we just surrender ourselves to you. Tonight, God, we make ourselves available to your plan for our lives. The roads and the paths that you're going to put us on, Jesus. The lives, Lord, that you will have us intersect with. Lord, we make ourselves available to that. Jesus, I pray, let us examine the influence that we are given. Let us examine... The, the vocation, Lord, the, the role, the job that we have in your kingdom. Every one of us has a role in your kingdom, a job, a ministry in your kingdom, Father. Let us examine that and let us examine our witness, our life, God, the things that we're doing, whether or not they be pleasing to you and whether or not they fulfill our calling. Jesus, in your name. God, I make myself available to you. Jesus, in your name. Lord, this evening and tomorrow and the days after that, I make myself available, Jesus. Help me to recognize the opportunities that you're giving me to witness. Help me to recognize and be open, Lord Jesus. Lord, I believe in the power of your word. I believe in the power of your spirit. Jesus, you're able to do all things. In my own power, Lord, I can't turn someone from darkness to light. Jesus, but my faith is in you. My trust is in you and your power, Lord. You have all power, Jesus. You're able, O oh God. You're able, O oh God. Lord, I speak right now to those souls waiting to be impacted. Those souls waiting to hear and receive your word. Jesus, I pray, open the hearts. Open the minds, the eyes, the understanding, Jesus. All the work that you need to do, we pray, God. Let it be done according to your will. Let it be done according to your timing, Jesus. We expect to see these things accomplished, Lord. We expect it. Come on, would you just express your faith to the Lord for a moment? Lord, I'm expecting a harvest of souls. Jesus, I am expecting to see lives turned around, people called to repentance. I'm expecting to see it, Jesus. Lord, you are offering forgiveness of sins. You are offering the gift of salvation. You are offering healings, Lord, and wholeness and restoration. That is your plan. That is your purpose, Father. We make ourselves available to it. Lord, to the role that we play in it. In the name of Jesus, make me a witness, Lord God. Make me a minister, Lord Jesus. It's your plan. It's your plan, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, it's you that orchestrates our days. It's you that orchestrates the events of our days, Lord.
You know, maybe you're here and, and all you know about is your job, your role, the thing that you do on a daily basis. I tried, I tried to think of an example that no one here is familiar with, but maybe all you know is selling tires. And someone here does know about that. But you might think, all I know about is selling tires. That's, that's what I know, in and out, front and back. I, I know that better than I know the Bible. Let the Lord use that. I, I promise you, you didn't gain that wisdom strictly by yourself. All I know about is how to make scarves. Let the Lord use that. All I know about is how to wash windows. Let the Lord use that. He, you didn't get that talent, that ability, that skill, that knowledge, all on your own anyways. This is what Hannah did when she went to the priest, when she went to God and said, if you give me something, I'm just going to turn around and give it back to you to be used in your kingdom. Maybe all you know is how to cut down trees. Let the Lord use that. In so doing, we are ministers. We are witnesses. I encourage you, look for those opportunities to witness. But this, what this does is it, it, it changes your perception throughout your day. Because now you're not thinking about, how am I going to talk about the, the, the book of Revelation when we're sitting here talking about work? How am I going to teach a Bible study on holiness when we're sitting here at work? How am I going to... Your perception changes when you think of how, am, how can I meet a need here? And how can I just share of my witness here? Our families need it. Our coworkers need it. Our friends need it. The stranger on the street needs it. Hey Amen. You are dismissed. I want you to greet one another. Shake a hand or two before you leave.